0: In the 1730s, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lusato vacationed at Dornburg, the country house of his patron Jacob de Chavis. Dornburg was the archetypal 18th century Dutch country house, but with a Jewish twist. Inside, wall paintings depicted the Hebrew Bible. Outside lay adjacent Jewish estates. While non-Jews were free to establish their country homes as an escape from society, Dutch Jews built their country homes, homes in easy walking distance of Martians' Portuguese synagogue. Neighbors in town became neighbors in the outside place of country life. When Dutch Jews, Jewish merchants crossed the seas and settled in Curaçao, they brought with them their love of country homes. Dutch country homes have received a fair amount of attention as have their Caribbean cousins. Little scholarship however has focused on the building's Jewishness. Most discussions of Jewish homes tend to focus on the fact that the owners were Jewish. I argue however that Jewish country homes are better understood in the context of Jewish cultural traditions, particularly the pastoral invoked in 18th century Dutch Jewish literature gravestones, and art. Dutch-Jewish pastoral was as much about community as retreat. Likewise, I argued that we should think about Dutch country homes' creolization in Curaçao in terms of the pastoral, rather than just analyzing how, for example, the weather impacted balconies or colorful paint. Curaçao's country homes were initially working plantations. Whereas Jewish country homes along the vect embraced the Jewish pastoral as an idealized retreat from the mercantile life, Kurosawa and country homes channeled the owner's gaze on enslaved workers. Leisure became redefined as an ability to oversee rather than retreat from work. As I'll show, the shift in the pastoral ideal reverberated through other Jewish Caribbean art. The 17th century has often been seen as the golden age of Dutch country homes. By the mid-1660s, Amsterdam had crumped roughly 200,000 people into a very small area. And while filthy canals and conspicuous consumption helped drive those with money to build country estates, country homes also (coughs) performed the pastoral ideal that was so central to Dutch golden age. The pastoral was everything the crowded city was not. Pastoral art presented a symbolic landscape, celebrating the shepherd's poet's life of quiet contemplation. The country house was the physical embodiment of this ideal. The country houses elaborately decorated interiors and carefully constructed landscapes displayed prestige even as they allowed the owner to withdraw from work and daily life and to engage instead in morally uplifting and scholarly pursuits. Estates owners commissioned pastoral plays and poetry to be recited in garden settings. By 1700, Amsterdam was surrounded by more than 500 country estates. Rather than place near commerce, country homes took advantage of the landscape's natural features. Villas were valued according to the uplifting visual experience of the landscape they provided. And the houses also harmonized with the landscape. Gardens surrounding the houses included small buildings where you could eat meals or read in a sort of sheltered outdoors. And this is uh, one of those garden houses that's just down the street from Dornberg that was owned by Jacob Machado. The retreat into the delightful world of the country allowed the owners to return to the city physically refreshed and morally restored. Jewish country house life reflected that larger pastoral ideal, but infused it with Jewish needs and traditions. First, the Jewish country house was communal, while non-Jews settled in a variety of bucolic places outside of the city. For Amsterdam's wealthiest Jews, the Vecht River, particularly near Marsen, Became the key place to engage in country life. So you can see here the sort of diversity of places where the country estates are. But this little river area between just outside of Amsterdam and Utrecht, that that's the area along the Vecht. And you can see here's where Jews primarily live. So I've put little blue stars at the places where there are Jewish country houses. <laughs> In general, country life was seen as separate from town space, and in fact, the root of the Dutch word for these kinds of estates means "outside place." But the religious requirement to pray with the minyan tended to group Jews in walking distance of one another. So, while initially services were built and held in a home, were held in a home, between 1720 and 1759, both the Portuguese and Amsterdam communities built synagogues in the town where most of the houses are settled. So here's the Portuguese synagogue. And of course, good Dutch style across the river is the Ashkenazi one. And all of these are the Jewish estates. This is Dornbrook right there. And in 1749, they purchased cemetery grounds nearby. Second, the Jewish pastoral was more sensual. Martians Jewish literature reflects pastoral values. Most significantly is seen in Rabbi Chaim Moshe Luzardo's play, Le Yisharim Tehila*, which is shown here in the first edition from 1743. Borrowing from the style of Proverbs and the Song of Songs, the play revels in the sensual verdant world of countryside life and the moral message of the life of plants and their blooming growth. The main character succumbs to a supreme enchantment that arises when the plants lead him to consider the divine laws governing nature. For Lusato, the countryside removed the poet from the petty tumult of the marketplace so he could find rest in the bosom of kingly beauty. Third, and related to these first two issues, is that this community and the natural world protected Jews from persecutors that Jewish merchants faced in town. Amidst the enchanting landscape, the play's hero realizes that city life has made his urban opponents miserable, caught in a close net from which they cannot liberate themselves. In contrast, by living in the pastoral bliss, the Jews of the Vect, like the poet himself, are able to understand how the earthly world connects to the upper world, like the keys of a musical instrument with the strings. The Vect's communal life renewed the world as much as it renewed individuals. Through pastoral contemplation, Martians Jews propelled the world closer to the messianic age, the ultimate era of Jewish pastoral bliss when the upper and lower worlds are harmoniously united, as on this Dutch ketubah from 1671. Jewish pastoral literature from the Vect often celebrated unions. Similar to the 18th century Martian poetry written by Hassan Benjamin Raphael Dias Brandon and David Franco Mendes, Luzzato wrote his play for a Jewish wedding. In fact, in this instance, for Jacob de, Jacob de Chavez, the owner of Dornberg. Designed for occasions when Jews would celebrate their lives together, the poetry was deliberately communal and modeled the tranquility of the Messianic era. When Amsterdam's Jewish merchants came to the Dutch West Indies, they brought with their penchant for country homes. Curacao was the jewel of the Dutch colonies. And until about 1830, Curacao had the largest, wealthiest, and best educated Jewish community in the Americas. Most Jewish families lived in the port in easy walking distance of shops, wharves, and the synagogue, which I've indicated right there. In addition to these houses in town, wealthier Jews also owned a country estate. Of the roughly 90 plantation houses still in existence, over 70 belonged to Jewish families at some point. And I've indicated the locations of those Jewish homes with little red houses here. While country homes' sizes and colors vary, they share two features that distinguish them from both the townhouses and the port and their European country house cousins. One, they're built in relationship to the people, and two, working the lands. So you can sort of see what I mean here, that they're built in relationship to the things that are around them. Two, their architecture separates the main house's inhabitants from the landscape. Taken as a whole, these Kurosawen landhousen redefined the Dutch Jewish pastoral. No longer withdrawn from commercial life, the Caribbean country house focused on enslaved labor. Leisure was now an ability to oversee work. While Jews situated their houses along the vect in order to absorb exalting views, Chris House Jews positioned their great house in order to oversee a workforce. So despite the fact that the it's a pretty arid um, Island, the states there produce goods such as tobacco, maize, indigo, sheep, salt, citrus, and goats. Indeed, the word for the country house used here refers both to this great house at the center and also the warehouses and cisterns and stables and corrals and slave huts and family burial grounds surrounding it. When Elias Pereira bought this particular plantation, San Juan, in 1712 for 12,000 pesos, It included not only all of the buildings that you see here, but also 82 slaves, a sugar mill, 467 cows, 302 sheep, and 374 goats. While the houses along the vect were designed to allow the outside pastoral landscape to intermingle with the internal space, Curacao's country houses carefully regulated levels of interiority. First. The platform itself separated the main house from the surrounding buildings. This is an example where it's sort of a little bit even more defined. But they're all built on this platform that's elevated. This is a house owned by the Caceres family. So the great house is built on an elevated platform, which certainly took advantage of cooling breezes, but also provided a panopticon kind of view of the workforce. Many of the platforms also had watchtowers, as we see here as well as a bell to call slaves to work. The raised terrace signaled the owner's dominance over the estate's other occupants. Second, the main house itself was structured with increasingly regulated interiority, with the core consisting of three rooms surrounded by a more open gallery. So again, you can see here these two towers. Here's the platform. There's a gallery on the outside that you can see the pillars to here and inside internal through rooms. For the country estates, the increasing circles of interiority separated the master's white family from the state's enslaved dependents, some of whom were also kin but lived in those huts around the outsides of the building. This divide was also religious, as Afro-Chorasan women were routinely expelled from the synagogue. At least some Jewish owners, such as Elias Pereira, also appear to have seen their plantations in religious terms. In addition to San Juan, Pereira owned the Bear Carmel, shown here, which was named for Mount Carmel, where Elijah the prophet lived, overcame a false religion, and both stopped and started the reign. Elias, of course, is Portuguese for Elijah. And the analogy of the house to Mount Carmel styles the prophet Elijah as a typological predecessor to the resident. Indeed, Pereira had only bought his plantation because a drought had wrecked the West India Company's finances. In styling himself as the prophet Elijah, Pereira played on a popular island tradition in which Elijah figured on Jewish gravestones. You can see here, the, this is one of my favorite ones with this motif, Elijah the prophet going up in the Merkabah into the heavens. And you can see a little plantation house below. In sum, while well, the Dutch-Jewish pastoral represented a retreat from the mercantile life. Coruscant country houses channeled the residents' gaze not on rivers, gardens, and grottos, but on stables, guard stations, and enslaved workers. By linking the plantations to biblical stories, the owners reinforced the naturalness of slavery on the states and the country house's role in redeeming the world. Visual art from the Dutch-Jewish Caribbean reflects this change. And one of my favorite examples of this is another Dutch Caribbean object, this time from nearby Suriname. And here we see the same sort of motif going on, a house elevated overlooking the workers below with the synagogue in the distance. Although my example today has focused on Dutch and Caribbean examples, I hope my point about the pastoral will have larger utility for the way we think about Dutch country houses overall. The Dutch pastor was often thought of as being more (laughs) religious than European counterparts. And I'm curious whether other people find this difference plays out in other Jewish comparisons as well. Thank you.